2 Chronicles chapter number 29. 2 Chronicles chapter number 29. 2 Chronicles 29. And when you're, fi- when, when you're finding your place there, um, I'm going to give you just a little introduction here. But when I became a pastor... Bethel Baptist Church about eight years ago, I was really excited. Uh, we had a pastor that was there, and uh, our church was kind of a smaller country church, and our pastor uh, was, was getting up there in years, and, um, and he, was, uh, he got sick. He, he had a brain tumor, uh, and, uh, and, he had, and he got cancer, and within seven months, he, he, the Lord took him home, and uh, it was a terrible time. Our church, we just kind of just kind of watched him die, and it was a, it was a terrible situation there. And uh, I surrendered to preach late in life when I was 33. Uh, we can tell you about it later, but I, the Lord started working on my heart when I was 22, about 22. I finished up at Pensacola Christian College, and right at the end of, the, end of that, uh, my college career, God started speaking, speaking to me about being in the ministry. Uh, but I ran from that. My dad was a pastor. My grandpa was an evangelist. And, uh, and I didn't want it to be in the family business. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And, uh, and so uh, through a series of events, it was about 11 years uh, before I surrendered uh, to preach and be in the ministry. And I was, so I was 33 uh, when I surrendered to preach. Uh, my pastor, and we were at the church there in Lapel, and my pastor uh, got, got cancer. And within seven months, he was, he was gone. And so right after that time, uh, the, church, uh, the church was just going through all this. They said, hey, uh, hey Brother Gilbert, would you, would, you, would you mind pastoring the church? Would you want to pastor the church? And I said, yes, I would love to. And I feel like this is God's direction. And so, uh, and, man, we were excited. We were excited to see what God can do. And, and we wanted to reach our community. We were trying everything to reach our community and, and doing what we can. And, but I remember we had a family in our church um, that kind of disagreed with Pretty much everything I did, you know. I don't even know why they were there. Uh, I, I don't know if you ever run across anybody like that, Pastor. You know, uh, but there's somebody who didn't disagree with some things. Uh, but we were talking, and I was excited. We're talking about man revival. You know, like God, I, I believe God can do it, and, he, and I believe God can send revival. And uh, and he was like, he said that he made this statement to me. He said revival is not possible in America. He said revival is not possible in America. I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And, uh, and it wasn't long before they left the church. And I was, getting, I was thinking about, I was reading Second Chronicles chapter number 29 and 30 and 31. I was reading about King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah, and I was reading, reading through this passage, and I was thinking, and the, the thought on revival started uh, sparking in my mind and my heart. And one writer said this. He said, if God's people hunger deeply enough, God will hear and send revival. God requires more than casual prayers for revival. He wants his people to hunger and thirst for his mighty working. To seek God's face is far, uh, far more than occasionally mentioning revival in our prayer. It involves repeated and prolonged prayer. It requires holy determination in prayer, examining ourselves to see if anything in our lives is hindering God. Leonard Ravenhill said this. He said, the only reason we don't have revival is because we are willing to live without it. William Booth, the great founder of the Salvation Army, he said, God loves with a great love the man whose heart is bursting with a passion for the impossible. For the impossible. And so I want to look at 2 Chronicles chapter number 29. And there was a, there was a revival in Hezekiah's day. There was a reformation. There was a, there was a change in, in Hezekiah's day. And I want to preach on this thought tonight. The possibility... 
the possibility of revival. The possibility of revival. Let's, uh, let's pray. Let's seek God's face tonight. Ask God to speak to your heart tonight. And then we'll, we'll look in 2 Chronicles chapter number 29. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And we thank you, Lord, for the salvation that you've given to us. Lord, we thank you, Lord, uh, for coming into our hearts. Thank you that heaven is our home. But Lord, there is a monumental task for us. And Lord, I pray that, that you would help us, everyone here, to be salt and light. Salt in a decaying world and light in a dark world. Lord, would you help us? Lord, would you help us to love you? Would you help us to serve you? And Lord, would you help us to uh, preach your word tonight? Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we don't need a word from me. We need a word from the Lord tonight. I pray that you'd help us as we look into your word. Help us, we pray in your name. Amen. Second Chronicles chapter number 29. The Bible says this, Hezekiah began to reign when he was five and twenty years old. And he reigned nine and twenty years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. He, in the first year of his reign, in the first month, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. And he brought in the priests and Levites and gathered them together in the, into the east street and said unto them, Hear me, ye Levites, sanctify now yourselves and sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. For our fathers have trespassed and, and done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and have forsaken Him and, and have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord and turned their backs. Also they have shut up the doors of the porch and put out the lamps and, and have not burned incense nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto the God of Israel. Wherefore the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem and He hath delivered them, in, he hath delivered them to trouble, to astonishment and to hissing as you see with your eyes. For lo, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. Now it is in mine heart. You see Hezekiah speaking to the people. Now it is in mine heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel, that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. My sons, be not now negligent, for the Lord hath chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, and, and that you should minister unto him and burn incense. Then the Levites arose. Mayhath the son of Amasai. And Joel, the son of Azariah, and of the sons of the Kohathites, and of the sons of Merari, Kish, the son of Abdi, and Azariah, the son of Jehaliel, and of the Gershonites, Joah, the, the son of Zimah, and Aden, the son of Joah, and the sons of Elizaphan, and Shimri, and, and Jael, and the sons of Asaph, Zechariah, and, and Mataniah, and the sons of Heman, Jehiel, and Shimei, and, and of the sons of Jeduthun, Shimei, and Uziel. And they gathered their brethren and sanctified themselves. And came according to the commandment of the king by the words of the Lord to cleanse the house of the Lord. And the priest went in into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it. And brought out all the uncleanness that they found in the temple of the Lord into the court of the house of the Lord. And the Levites took it to carry it out abroad into the brook Kidron. And we'll stop our reading there, but we'll look, in, we'll look into 2 Chronicles 29 a little bit deeper into the chapter. And, and we'll touch a little bit of, of chapter number 30 tonight. And we'll speak on this thought, the possibility, the possibility of, re, of revival. We're, we're introduced in 2 Chronicles 29 to a, a king, a king by the name of Hezekiah. It talks about Hezekiah here. He, it says that he was 25 years old. 
Uh, he was 25 years old, and he's young, and he's ready to do something. And I'm thankful for that. He's 25 years old. He, he had an ungodly father. We read in 2 Chronicles 28, it tells a little bit about a, a king, his father, by the name of Ahaz. Ahaz, and, and so he, he has this ungodly father. Ahaz, Ahaz made molten images for Balaam. Ahaz burnt incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom. It says about Ahaz that, he, that he, he burnt his children in the fire. What a terrible, wicked man. And it says, it says this about, about Ahaz in chapter 28. It says that, that he transgressed sore against the Lord. And so this is, this is Hezekiah's father. And, and the Bible mentions, it mentions here Abijah, his mother. Uh, what, what, a, what a great mother he must have had. But he, he comes from really, really kind of probably a broken home. But the Bible says about Hezekiah that he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Despite his age, he did that was right in spite of the Lord. Despite his upbringing, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. What a fantastic testimony for anyone. That, that we just do right in the sight of the Lord. So many of us, uh, we're trying to do right in front of everybody else. But to do right in the sight of the Lord. We want to look in the scriptures at this revival, this reformation that took place under Hezekiah. And I want to give you just two points tonight. This is where the Baptists say amen. Amen. I've been a Baptist my whole life. I can pick on the Baptists, all right? But I want to look at the scriptures. Number one, we're talking about the possibility, the possibility of revival, of genuine Holy Spirit, God, God-sent revival, the possibility. Number one, we, we look at the, the requirements of revival. The requirements. We find it in our passage. First of all, there's going to be a cleansing. There's going to have to be a cleansing that takes place. The Bible says in chapter, verse number 5, And he said unto them, Hear me, ye Levites, sanctify now yourselves, and sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers, and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. Carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. In verse 15, it says, and they gathered their brethren and sanctified themselves and came according to the commandment of the king by the words of the Lord to cleanse the house of the Lord. I was looking up the word sanctify just, just simply means to be clean. To be clean. And before they would carry the filthiness out of the house uh, that, that was, that was uh, destroyed and, and what, all the abominable things that, that, that Ahaz did, and before they would start cleaning out the house, they would have to clean out themselves first. Sanctify yourselves. They would sanctify themselves first before they got the things out of the, out of the holy place. And so there was a cleansing that took place, a cleaning and I believe that before any of us are, are, are going to be of any use for the Lord, before, before we can do any, anything for God, before there's ever going to be a, a revival in our own hearts, I think sometimes we need to, we need to check up and see what's inside of us. And, and, and we need to do a cleansing. We need to do a cleaning and, and get the filthiness that's in our lives out. I say this cleansing, this, this cleaning, it was a deep cleaning. Verse 16, the Bible says in verse 16, and the priest went in, into the inner part of the house. It was a deep cleaning, but it was a dedicated cleaning. This says in verse 16, they went into the inner part of the house to cleanse it and brought out all the uncleanness 
everything that they could find, everything that was defiling, that was, that was in defilement to God, everything that was, should not be there, everything that they could find, they went into the, they went into the inner part and, the, and they got all the uncleanness and they got it out. And the Bible says, that, so they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days. You talk about it was a dedicated cleaning. They said, we have got to, Hezekiah says, get, I want you to carry forth the filthiness out of the house of the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and then get everything out. And so they, they got everything, everything that should not be in there, they got it out. That's a good place to start. That is a good place to start for us. And that's a good place to start for us. And, and we, we, as a deep cleaning, it was a dedicated cleaning. And this, clean, this cleansing involved destruction. Destruction. In verse number 16, it says, And all the priests went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it and brought out all the uncleanness that they found in the temple of the Lord into the court of the house of the Lord. And the Levites took it to carry it out abroad into the brook Kidron. And if you read in the Bible and you, hear, you read about and you hear the brook Kidron, many times in these Old Testament kings and, and the godly kings of Judah there was, there was Asa and, and there was Hezekiah and there was Josiah. When they, what they would do is, is they would take the filthy things that, that did not belong and they would stamp them to the ground. They would take them out and they would have them and they would, they would just throw them in the brook Kidron and get rid of them. They would totally destroy them. And they would get rid of them. And I was thinking about us. I was thinking that, that, that if, we, if we long for revival, it's going to start with us, but we got a clean house. We've got a clean house. And we have to see if there's anything in us and get rid of the filthiness. And we've got to destroy it. We've got to destroy it. I was reading about this evangelist, this Baptist evangelist, at the age of 24. An evangelist named James Edwin Orr. He held these meetings on, and it was an Easter revival in New Zealand. A revival fell on the people of New Zealand. Midnight, service had, midnight services had to be added to accommodate the crowds. Many were converted. Revival spread. And they had a theme verse for this revival that was breaking out in New Zealand. And it was Psalm 139, verse number 1. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Search me, O God, and know my heart. And as hearts were cleansed, the Holy Spirit moved in, pal. And he wrote this song. He wrote this song. You might understand, you might, you might hear, you might be singing this in your mind. But he wrote this song after this great move of God. The song was, search me, O God, and know my heart today. Try me, O Savior, know my thoughts, I pray. See if there be some wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. I praise thee, Lord, for cleansing me from sin. Fulfill thy word and make me pure within. Fill me with fire where once I burned with shame. Grant my desire to magnify thy name. Lord, take my life and make it wholly thine. Fill my poor heart with thy great love divine. Take all my will, my passion, self and pride. I now surrender. Lord, in me abide. The requirements of revival, there's a cleansing that's, that's going to have to take place. Hezekiah said, we've got to get rid of everything. I know, I know what my father did, and I know we're in bad shape, but there, this is time for a change. We have got to do something. We have to carry forth the filthiness. I want you to sanctify yourselves, and then I want you to sanctify this house and get all, everything that's unclean, everything that's ungodly, everything that is, that is not bringing honor and glory to God, get it out. 
And you know what? I think it's the exact same thing with a Christian. There's so many things in our lives. And I, and I don't know you, and, and you don't know me, and you don't know what's in my heart, and I don't know what's in your heart, but I can guarantee you if you listen to the Holy Spirit and you say, Lord, I want to be clean. Lord, I want to do what you want me to do. Lord, I want to sanctify myself. I guarantee you the Holy Spirit can find something in your life that needs cleaned up. You know what we need to do with it? We need to get it out. We need to get it out. The cleansing. But then the requirements of revival, there's a consecration. A consecration. The Bible says in verse 31, a look at 2 Chronicles chapter number 29, verse 31. Then Hezekiah answered and said, Now ye have consecrated yourselves unto the Lord. Come near and bring sacrifices and thank offerings into the house of the Lord. And the congregation brought in sacrifices and thank offerings, and as many as were of a free heart burnt offerings. Consecrated, we, it's, a, it's a word that we don't really use a, a lot today. I, I, don't, I don't remember uh, uh, talking to my children. I don't think I used that word this week. I'd be like, hey, hey uh, Jake, I need you to go uh, consecrate yourself. No? They'd be like, what are you talking about? They, they'd, probably, they'd probably, hey, Siri, what is consecrated, you know? <laughs> my phone just responded to me. It said, to do that, you'll need to turn off airplane mode, all right? Consecrated is not a word that we use every day. I was looking it up. It's the, it's the Greek word male, M-A-L-E, male, pronounced male. And consecrated means this, to fill or to be filled up. To, be, to fill or to be filled up. And it's the same word. I found it in Genesis. It's found a lot in Genesis. To be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and fill the earth. And, and it's the same. It's to be filled up. And I was thinking this. Once the cleansing in our lives... Once the cleansing takes place and it's complete and the things are gone, then, then we need to fill it up with the good stuff. Now it's time for the consecration. Out with the filthiness of sin, in with the fullness of the Spirit. And I think sometimes we are so full of ourselves that there is no room for God. We are so full of and there's pride. And, and, and I ask you a question tonight, what are, we, what are we filled up with? What are you filled up with? Are we filled with anger? Are we filled with bitterness? Are we filled with pride? Are we filled with lust? Or are we filled with the Spirit? I think every Christian, I know this, every Christian, our desire is to be, we should, be, we should want to be utterly filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, if we're, if we're saved and we're on our, our, our way to heaven, we're born again, man, we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Man, I'm so thankful for the, for the conviction and I'm, I'm thankful for Holy Spirit conviction and I'm thankful to be born again and I'm thankful to be saved. But there is a difference between, between being indwelt with the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. God help us to be filled with the Spirit. I was thinking about our kids and we, we take them to the dentist. Amen? Amen. We take them to the dentist. And sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad, you know, depending on what, what's wrong, you know. But if, every, if everything's good, it's, it's all right. But we take our kids to the dentist, and it's like a, a pediatric dentist, you know, and specializes in being like super nice to kids, you know. And uh, so they don't hate the dentist the rest of their life, you know. How many of you hate dentists? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I don't know, I don't know. All right. But we take them, and, and then they call them one by one, you know, and they go back, and and, and I'm sitting there in the dentist, and, and it seems like they always have the same thing on when I'm in the dentist. They have, this, they have a big TV there, and it's always, it's always these home shows. 
It's always these home shows, these terrible homes. They look like, they look like trash, these old dilapidated houses. And it's, a, and it's usually like this guy and this girl, and, and they're just like, they're, they're going to fix it up, and they're going to make it amazing, right? And so what's the first thing they do? Man, it's like demo day. You know, they, they're like, we're going to do this and this and this. But they start demoing everything. They start hammering everything. They get the sledgehammers out. They get their goggles on. I mean, they go crazy. And they take out all the bad things, you know, they, all, the, all the nasty lights, all the old carpet, all the, all the walls that are all messed up. They take everything out. They fix the roof. They do everything. And then, and then they, they start bringing everything, all, all the, they take all the bad stuff out. Then they start bringing all the good stuff in. And they put the really nice flooring. They put these really nice cabinets in. And they, they make sure everything looks nice. They get an interior designer and they fix everything up. It looks good. And, and man, they have like the before and they have the after. They bring in somebody and, and they, they blindfold them and walk them up there, you know. And, and they like, they reveal it. And they're like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Look what happened. It's amazing. And it's a silly illustration. But they transform that house. They transform it. They revive that house. And that's what we need to do spiritually. That is exactly what we need to do spiritually. We cleanse, we cleanse everything. Search me, O oh God. Try me. See if there's any wicked way in me. And cleanse these things from me. But once, once the things are cleansed from me that should not be there, I believe that we need to fill it up with the things that should be there. And we need to say, hey, we're going to read the Bible. Man, we're going to pray. We're going to seek God. We're going to get our family together. We're going to tell others about the Lord. And we fill in all these things. Man, that, that's a key to revival right there. That's a transformation. And somebody can say, man, what, look at you. You used to be old and dilapidated, you know. But now look at you now. Like God is working in your life. And man, it's a, there's a difference. There's a difference. The requirements of revival. There's this cleansing. It's really simple. There's a cleansing that takes place. And then, then there's this consecration. And we're going to bring up back in the good stuff. We're going to start serving the Lord in this place, Hezekiah said. So this is the requirements of revival. Number two... The results of revival. The results, first of all, there's rejoicing. There's rejoicing. Second Chronicles 29, look at verse 28 and 29. And all the congregation worshipped. The Baptist could stop right there. It's okay to worship God. You know, I, think, I think what happened here tonight and, and the singing and, and the awesome piano playing, on, and, and man, I was awesome. I appreciate that, brother. And, and, and man, you're singing the song about the cross over, right over here. And man, that was, you're just worshiping God. And it's okay to worship God. Amen? Baptists don't have to be boring, right? It's okay to worship God. The, the congregation uh, and, and all the congregation worship and the singers sang and the trumpeters sounded. And all this continued until the burnt offering was finished. And when they had made an end of offering, the king and all that were present with him bowed themselves and worshipped. And I think our, our worship today, we think, oh, somebody's going to get up on a stage and, man, they're going to lift their hands and, and just worship and worship and worship. You know, and, and, and that's okay when we lift our hands. But I'm talking about, this is a good example of worship. What do they do? They bowed down and worshipped. They bowed down and worshipped. But there was rejoicing, and Hezekiah, it says in verse 36, and Hezekiah rejoiced in all the people. All the people. Charles Spurgeon said, A genuine revival without joy in the Lord is as impossible as spring without flowers or day dawn without light. Our churches are not experiencing revival, and it shows. It shows in the pulpit, and it shows in the pew. We're not experiencing revival. There's no joy. There's no joy. 
And you know what? I've been, we've been to about 20 churches so far. It's amazing. And, and you know, we're independent fundamental Baptist churches. And the, the independent, I mean, independent church, I mean, that means a lot. You know, that's, well, we're just independent. We do whatever, you know, and, and we see it. But you know what? We've been in churches where we, we walk in and, man, this church is like amazingly friendly with, thank you. Thank you for that. It was awesome. But we've been in churches and it's like, oh, man, I've got to be at church tonight. Like, it's such a drag to be at church. Man, I mean, there, there, is, there is no rejoicing. There's no, there's no rejoicing in their heart. Well, probably because they don't, have, they don't have the requirements right. Probably there's things in their life they need to get right. And, and they need to get the things out of their life. But, but if, if there's revival in our hearts and it starts with us, there's going to be rejoicing. There's going to be rejoicing. We should, walk, we should walk into church and say, man, it's so good. I cannot wait to hear from God tonight. I cannot wait to see what God's going to do. Man, I am so thankful to be saved. Uh, and somebody says, hey, this, that somebody gave me some advice when I became a pastor. And he said, hey, don't ask anybody how they're doing. <laughs> you don't ask them because they're going to tell you. You know, <laughs> you know and, but that's all right. Now, how are you doing? Man, I am doing great because I'm on my way to heaven. Man, God has given me health. I've got breath in my lungs. I woke up today. Man, I have a lot to be thankful for today. Amen? The results are rather rejoicing. Rejoicing. Chapter 30, or no, no, we won't get there. We won't there yet. Okay. <laughs> We're going to get to chapter 30. But the results of revival is rejoicing. Rejoicing. There's no excitement, no rejoicing. I believe it's because we haven't met the requirements of the cleansing and the consecration. So the results of revival is rejoicing. And then there's remembering. The remembrance. You get to chapter 30. Hezekiah reinstates the Passover. Let's read the first couple verses here, the first five verses. And Hezekiah sent all Israel and Judah and wrote letters also to Ephraim and Manasseh that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover unto the Lord God of Israel. For the king had taken counsel and his princes and all the congregation in Jerusalem to keep the Passover in the second month. For they could not keep it at that time because the priests had not sanctified themselves sufficiently. Neither had the people gathered themselves together to Jerusalem and the thing pleased the king and all the congregation. So they established a decree to make proclamation throughout all Israel, from Beersheba even to Dan, that they should come to keep the Passover unto the Lord God of Israel at Jerusalem, for they had not done it of a long time in such short as it was, in such short as it was written. Hezekiah said, we better remember, we better remember what the Lord has done for us. He said, we haven't done this in a long time. We haven't, done, we haven't remembered how, how God brought His people out and, and how God was... And God, and, and, and that, that night in Egypt and what God has done and, and how God brought His people and He delivered His people. We haven't done that in a long time. And I was thinking, you know what? And when we have, we have communion at our church, at our churches, and, and I love it when we have communion, because, but sometimes we don't, we, haven't, we don't do it for a long time, and, and maybe we, we forget things, but communion is a, is a great time to remember some things. We remember, and it's not about drinking a, a cup of grape juice. It's not about eating a little cracker. It's about remembering that body that was broken for you. It's about, it's about remembering that blood that, Je that Jesus Christ shed on the cross of Calvary so that we can have life. It's about remembering who He is and what He has done. And sometimes when we, when we have revival in our heart and, and it's, it's, the, it's kind of followed through a pattern right here and, and we cleanse and we get the, the filthy things out of our life, we put the good things in our life and we, start re and we rejoice and we remember, that's kind of the result of revival. We cannot forget how He delivered His children from death. Is revival possible? 
I asked my church member a few years ago, and he said, revival is not possible in America. What a terrible spirit. Is revival possible? 100% yes. We have to do our part and God will do his part. In 2 Chronicles 29, 36, it says, And Hezekiah rejoiced. This is the last verse of 29. And Hezekiah rejoiced in all the people that God had prepared the people. It was a God thing. For the thing that was done, for the thing was done suddenly. Suddenly. One writer said this, he said, when God gets ready to shake America, he may not take the Ph.D. and the D.D. God may choose a country boy. God may choose a man that nobody, nobody knows. A little nobody to shake America for Jesus Christ in this day. And I pray that he would. The possibility of revival, the requirements is we see the cleansing. Let me ask you tonight to search your heart. See where you're at. See where you're at. See, see what's in your heart. <laughs> Try me. Lord, see if there be anything in my life. Do we want revival? It has to start in our own, in our own heart. And if everyone, if everyone in, a, in, a, in a church building this size, if every one of us tonight, and I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to myself tonight, if everybody said, you know what, I am, I am going to search my heart. Lord, if there's any, anything in my life, like this morning, this morning I was, we were over uh, about an hour or so from here at a church. And this morning, uh, the Lord woke me up. It's like 4.30 in the morning. I don't usually get up at 4.30. I'm not that old yet. I don't wake up like that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I woke up about 4.30. And uh, I haven't been, to, haven't been to bed since. You know, pray for me on the way home. You know? no, I woke up about 4.30 this morning. And the Lord, the Lord was, was challenging me with this. And you know what? The Lord, there was like four or five things. I said, Lord, that's not right in my life. Lord, that, that's not right in my life. Lord, that's not right in my life. Man, I was convicted. And I was convicted about these things that, that there has to be some cleaning in my life. I, I, would, I would love to see revival. I would love to see it in my heart, in my life. I would love to see it break out at Lighthouse Baptist. Wouldn't that be awesome? You see, man, we just, they just, all, we just all got on the same page and, and we, just, we decided that, that, that we're going to cleanse ourselves and, and clean everything, everything that shouldn't be there and we're just going to repent and we're going to get rid of it and then all the things that should be, we're going to put those into our life and fill the void there and then, man, there's going to be the great rejoicing and we're going to remember what Christ did for us. I think this, this is the possibility of revival. The possibility of revival. And I think we just have to take an inward look tonight. Do some inventory and say, where are we? And not say, where are we? Say, where am I? Where am I? And that's the question tonight. Where am I? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Lord, I need you. Lord, I know, I know who I am. Lord, I know there's, there's things in every one of our lives. Because we are but flesh. And we understand that. But Lord, I pray that tonight, would you, would you speak to hearts tonight? Lord, would the Holy Spirit, Lord, would you come in and, and do your work? Would you, just, would you just fill this place tonight? Lord, I pray that everyone here tonight would do business with you. From young to old, I pray that we would just do business with you. Lord, I know the altar is going to be open, but the, the, the chairs are open. 
I pray that our hearts will be open. Lord, sometimes our hearts get so stony. Our hearts get so hard. Lord, I pray that you chip away and, and help us to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit tonight. We love you. We thank you for Pastor McNair. Thank you for Lighthouse Baptist Church. I pray that you would use this church in a mighty way and continue to use this church. Lord, let revival spark here. Let it start with us, Lord, we pray. We love you in your name. Amen.